0: Welcome to Viewpoints Listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grosek, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome co host for What's Making News. Once again, our weekly segment, Russell Hamby. Hi, Russ. Hi, Henry. What about low Russell?
1: <laughs> How are you today?
0: I'm well. How are you?
1: Haven't That's haven't good. I have spoken you- to you today. No, this is the first time, isn't it?
0: First time today. First time since <laughs> we last spoke a, a week or so ago. There was a bit of a technical glitch on the radio station with your program. What happened to it?
1: Well, uh, um, apparently the first segment was played uh, twice, I heard, on the, uh, the Friday morning. But uh, these things happen. The gremlins get in the work sometimes, don't they? Well, I was talking to Bill,
0: who is our technician down there, and he mentioned that you rang him up and said, uh, on the radio not on 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 the podcast, that the first segment was played twice, and that you were sort of um, a little bit um, perplexed would be the nicest way of saying it by that, and uh, he thought it uh, it was very funny to tell you that there was a, such a demand for a replay of that from the listeners that he never got round to playing the second segment.
1: <laughs> no, that's not true at all. I didn't uh, ring Bill. He does a great job, doesn't he, putting up all the bits and pieces together for the station, yeah.
0: Well, at least people couldn't forget on the station what was written. If they missed it first time round, they got it second time round. If they <laughs> got it first time round... They wouldn't be able to forget it the second time around. I think that's the first time that's happened at the station for yeah, our program. Yeah, it's interesting because it was a
1: rather long segment. It fitted nicely into two halves uh, in the time slot, uh, which was interesting, wasn't it? You know. Well,
0: well that's not quite true because I was talking to Bill, and he said because the first one was so long compared to the second one, it, it made the rest of the program lopsided.
1: Was oh, that right? Yeah. yeah so. But he only had himself
0: to blame for that.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no, he does. He does a great job. Uh, but in fact, a lot of the programs are done from home, and he puts it all together. You know, sort of in their automatic system. You know, for the whole week.
0: Yes. Um, so that was an interesting glitch. So what we'll do here is um, make sure that <clears throat> that we uh, don't repeat ourselves, let alone have him repeating segment one twice.
1: <laughs> My word. Yes.
0: So we'll get stuck into it now, uh, Russell. <clears throat> Bill, take note. <laughs> The age <laughs> health staff warning as tenfold ra- case rise is tipped. Victoria's predicting to have 18,000 active COVID cases and 800 people in hospital by mid-October, prompting health officials to warn that not enough specialist-intensive care staff are able, available to cope if infections surge once restrictions <clears> ease. Um, that's, uh, that's pretty devastating news. It is, isn't
1: it? And uh, the health department data has uh, fuelled concerns about the ability of hospitals to deal with an influx of gravely ill patients. Now, as regional Victorians come out of lockdown uh, tomorrow, and Melbournians, or today, Friday, and uh, Melbournians are hoping for some uh, easing of restrictions this month, uh, the premier expects the numbers in hospital intensive care to rise as we open up, quite to quite alarming numbers. Actually, uh, of course, we noticed yesterday. Uh, we had 324 new local cases reported, which is uh, about 100 up on the previous day, I think. Um, so it is great, uh, growing as we speak, doesn't it? Yes. You now, he has pledged to relax some uh, Melbourne restrictions uh, when the first vaccination figure reaches 70%. And we're and now in the roughly the high 60s, I think, so we, we're getting there pretty quickly. Mm. Uh, but the problem is finding nurses and intensive care professionals to staff intensive care beds. Uh, that's the greatest issue at the moment. And today, there are 400 intensive care beds staffed. And if more than 1,500 are required, that will lead to staffing difficulties, let alone a number, I keep quoting, about 4,000 perhaps in the future. Yeah, look, and it's, so a real, it's, a, worry. it's
0: a real dilemma because on the one hand we want to open up because of all the reasons that uh, have been well articulated uh, both on this program and in almost all other places, and yet on the other side of the coin, our health system now is in fear of crumbling, and we've canvassed that um, and so of many other forums. It's... Uh, it's 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 a real dilemma, isn't
1: it? Yes, it is. And they're doing things like uh, now, they're streaming COVID patients, not in the one hospital, across several hospitals. That's sort of all right now for these numbers. That's sort of so, so overwhelm the system. And also uh, it's not overwhelmed, but uh, it is a worry. And they're, they're still predicting that these numbers could increase, what, tenfold or something.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's one of those ones where you sort of, damned if you do and you're damned if you don't whichever way we go um and at the moment we're moving more towards opening up um as best we can um, i guess the the answer there really is um to get people vaccinated uh, twice as quickly as possible to make sure those numbers don't become you know unbearably high
1: that's right and i think it's, it's not just a single vaccination rate we're looking more at the double rate to be uh aren't we, to really Mm. open up properly. Mm. And, of course, we only have to look at America and England, and they're still getting many, many cases a day, aren't they? And they've opened up a lot of their their areas. I hear that schools are back, I think, in England, but many of them have had to close down again due to uh, cases.
0: Mm. Absolutely. It's certainly one of those ones. We're a long way from the end of it. Um, Russell, um, the next one's an interesting one, isn't it?
1: Yes, uh, shock death toll of smoke. Uh, Smoke pollution from bushfires is killing almost 500 Australians a year and is set to rise sharply, an exhaustive Melbourne study has found. And uh, you don't sort of think of that aspect of bushfires, but uh, a Monash University-led study has found deadly smoke particles responsible for almost 1 in 100 lives lost on the east coast of Australia. Uh, There are illnesses such as respiratory illness heart attacks, and other cardiovascular conditions. They're claiming lives up to a 1,000 kilometres from the fire grounds through pollution. Um, and Australia's rates of fire-related deaths per capita are the eighth highest among other highly populated nations. Uh, and so along our east coast capitals, uh, or just outside the capitals, 483 died directly due to bushfire-related fine particles in the air. And uh, as I said, fire smoke can spread a thousand kilometres.
0: Absolutely. And uh, in results published, Russell in the Lancet, the Monash-led team found that the most dangerous pollutant in wildfire smoke was fine particulate matter known as PM. 225 Do you know what
1: that is? No, I don't know what that is. It's, it's uh, I think it's probably a chemical uh, name they give to a certain type of pollutant. I've never heard of it until now, have you?
0: No, no. We're not giving it to you as homework either. I've got better homework for you next week <laughs> than that. Um, but that is an interesting one, so PM2.5. Um, it's interesting. It, it makes logical sense that smoke would impact on our health because... Uh, it, it it is obviously a pollutant with um, carcinogenic substances in it and whatever, but um, carcinogenic substances. But uh, that level of uh, impact in terms of uh, death and, of course, I'd, I'd say severe illness is rather frightening, isn't it?
1: Yes, it is. Something we don't tend to think about in uh, when our bushfire seasons come about. But uh, when you think about it, it's logical that uh, there's even mercury and lead to amounts in some cases, isn't there? So all sorts of nasties in it.
0: And of course, the death toll on wildlife would be
1: significantly higher, wouldn't it? Yes, yes. And you hear about uh, wildlife, all sorts of animals uh, going to various shelters even months later. And, uh, some, rec- and some don't.
0: Absolutely. We'll take a short break. Russ, can you hold the line?
1: Yes, certainly.
0: Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grossick, and I'm in the middle of What's Making News with co-host Russell Hanby. Welcome back, Russell.
1: Thanks, Henry. Now,
0: the Herald Sun State Schools Shine. Nine state primary schools in Victoria have been given a perfect score of 100, recognising their excellence in literacy and numeracy in a new analysis of school performance. These schools uh, include Beverly Hills Primary School in Doncaster East, Sipel, in Templestone, Oakley South Primary, Glendale Primary in Glen Waverley, and they've been recognised among the best alongside some of the most expensive schools in the state. So we've got primary schools there at a fraction of the cost performing as well as some of our elite ones, which charge you up to $30,000 a year. Of itself, interesting.
1: Yes, yes. In, in in fact, 47 of the top 100 performing best-performing primary schools in 2020 were state schools, and many of these state schools, as you say, are outperforming the leading private schools. Now, of course, several private primary schools have done very well as as well, but uh, focusing on this, several other suburban state schools recorded 98 or 99 out of 100, which is the top score. Uh, Apparently, I don't know quite what the score measures, except that it's an index of performance, not a ranking. They didn't go in the article to exactly what the criteria was for the score, did they?
0: No, they didn't, um, but um, the bottom line is that's an exceptional performance in those NAPLAN results by uh, all those schools. But it's uh, as an advocate of public education, uh, it's very heartening to see that uh, our, our state schools. Um, do not fall behind the independent schools um, in, in, in what they can uh, do with our, the education of our children. So that's, um, that's a, a big tick to all of those schools, including those four, Beverly Hills Primary, Sir Pell, Oakley South Primary and Glendale Primary School, getting the perfect rating of
1: 100. Moving on, Russell. Yes, so moving on, from the age media loses Facebook appeal. The High Court has ruled that media outlets are legally responsible as publishers for third parties' comments on their Facebook pages in a decision with implications for all social media users. Yes, and now news outlets are liable as publishers of Facebook comments because they facilitated and encouraged and thereby assisted the posting of comments by the third party Facebook users and therefore rendered them the publishers of these comments. That was the ruling. Now, Facebook has recently given the host of public pages more control over comments. Until recently, you couldn't take away the comments in mass, um, but now they're allowing a little bit of freedom there. Professor David, a defamation law expert, says you don't have to prove fault all you have to prove is a voluntary act of participating in the dissemination of the defamatory material. And the plaintiff must send a concerns notice before launching defamation procedures, which could allow the publisher a chance to make amends. I suppose as long as there's that buffer where the person complains to the uh, publisher, I suppose, and they take it down in good time, um, it's when they sit on their hands and don't do anything, I guess, that the defamation would proceed.
0: Mm. Now, the media haven't been too happy with this, Russell, and The Age itself in its uh, in its editorials said the judgment, quote, places a significant burden on the news media. Um, this This judgment makes it clear that media outlets can be liable for things over which they had no role in writing, editing or putting into the public sphere, and that the court found several news outlets should be considered the publishers of allegedly defamatory comments added by third parties to Facebook posts, for example, about former Northern Territory youth detainee Dylan Voller. Um, It's interesting, that ruling, isn't it?
1: Yes, and it can even be taken further to just uh, the average person in the street who has a Facebook page and makes a comment about something and gets perhaps a nasty post back. and You don't really have any direct control over over that at the time and uh, it could have wider implications, couldn't it?
0: Mm. I mean, what you notice, a lot of people will repost other people's posts or will make a, yes, a, a comment about... Let's say on on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, they will refer to other comments. Uh, this can land you into. This can land not only you but the person, the other person, in trouble.
1: Yes, that's right. Uh, it's got wide implications. Of that hasn't it? I mean, obviously, uh, the talkback stations, the commercial stations, they have their dump buttons and that. And apparently, uh, during the public affairs, uh, like morning programs, they actually have someone riding the dump button, just ready to press it at the slightest thing, because you can't really vet what the listener says. That's why they have that 7 or ten-second delay, don't they?
0: Maybe that's why Bill cut out Part two of our segment <laughs> last week, you made some comments which could have landed Casey Radio, who also publish our interviews on 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 the station programs. He may have deemed them un, unfit for purpose. Do
1: you think that might have been the case? Well, it's <laughs> worth asking him. You that could be your homework.
0: Ask him why he put. That. <laughs> I don't. Th- I don't think you'll actually be too happy about that. Do you?
1: No, probably not. No, no, because he'll think you're coming
0: back for a second serve of poor Bill, who is uh, who is a volunteer. He's not paid to do the work he does, and he does a brilliant job. So I'd, I'd tread carefully before I rang him up again, uh, uh, Russell. That's right.
1: I don't think we should... Uh... Do that too much uh, because uh, he may find another program in this time slot or something yeah, he mightn't
0: even play <laughs> the same thing twice he might even play it <laughs> once so let's <laughs> let's not push him too far but it it's a fascinating and far-reaching uh uh ruling by the high court i think a lot of the media units didn't expect this by the sound of their replies
1: No, that's right, and uh, I think they are going to appeal, I think, to the Supreme Court. They're taking it now, but uh, I don't know how hopeful they'll end up being on that, you know.
0: And that'll cost them a lot of money. Yes. Almost as much as a defamatory comment. (laughs) (laughs) Lawyers at that level don't come cheap, I wouldn't have thought, or barristers, whatever they they go by, or teams of barristers.
1: That's right, particularly if you need um, QCs or... Something. They're called SCs now, aren't they? I who know. SC? What,
0: Why? What's the difference? Uh,
1: no, I'm council. council. But S, uh, I thought in recent years they became SCs. councils, councils perhaps? I don't know. Senior councils? Would that be the word? Senior councils. Yeah. Yeah, that, I think that, that yeah. brings a bell. Yeah.
0: Yes, and that's just sort of all part of Australia becoming a bit more independent in some areas of its attachments to
1: the British monarchy. That's right, yes. Do you yes. think will
0: ever become a republic?
1: Um, I, I think, yes, I think it will happen one day. I don't think it'll be immediately. I think uh, because, you know, Her Majesty the Queen is still uh, with us and doing a good job at her age, uh, we'll stay as a, uh, I think we fondly regard her and we don't want to rock the boat, but perhaps when she passes on, uh, there, there may be a rethink about where we stand with our uh, head of uh, the country.
0: Mm, yes, it. Uh, oh, well, I'm a Republican, so I would like to see that
1: happen. It's a, like a your political persuasion, isn't it? Uh, Republican versus monarchist. Yeah,
0: and yet, and yet, it shouldn't be. It it should be separate to politics. But you're right. For for too many major issues, you can define people almost by. Uh, the issues on which uh, the direction on which they take with an issue by a political party, but I don't do that because of a political party allegiance or otherwise. I just believe our country should be a republic. What do you think? Are you prepared to say? Yeah,
1: I'm, yeah, I think so. I'm going. I'm probably when they had the first Republican debate, uh, we did weren't certain how the president was going to be chosen. There were a few little issues with the setting up of the referendum and that. But I think I'm coming around gradually to thinking that Australia should have its own head of state and uh, sort of not cut the ties, but uh, or certainly cut the ties as being head of the uh, the country. Maybe the uh, sovereign of England, you know?
0: Yeah, don't don't take it too gradually, or your graduality might exceed your lifespan. why when you when you run out of gas mate that's too (laughs) many
1: decades ahead of me i suppose (laughs) really
0: (laughs) i'm sure you have russell and time's on the wing odd spot this is a funny one
1: it is yes um English three-year-old clodow is that how you pronounce it, Mac kept up a family tradition when she got her head stuck in a toilet seat during potty training. Her dad did the same thing 34 years ago, and both also ended up in the uh, local newspaper for their effort. Firemen were forced to use cutters to free Cloddow May in uh, Hart-Huddlepool, and she took the incident in her stride and was pleased to get a teddy bear and a ride on a fire truck once freed (laughs) so there's a case where both father and daughter you could say have gone to potty couldn't you
0: you could and and it would be hard to say that um she she was just following her dad's example because i presume she (laughs) clearly she wasn't there 34 years ago Uh, or you could say it was in their genes you
1: could yes (laughs) Yes. (laughs) there's
0: a a few puns in in that one isn't there yes Uh, but um all ended well, which is the main thing. And she got a teddy bear and a free ride and a, tr- for a fire truck. Yeah,
1: it was probably almost worth it, wasn't it, to do that? Yes.
0: <laughs> uh, almost worth it. Well, Russell, that takes us out for this week um, on what's making news. And let's hope Bill plays track one and track two and uh, <laughs> doesn't find something in track one or two that uh, might cost the station a lot of money.
1: Yeah, I think we were pretty good today. <laughs>
0: Let's hope so. That was What's Making News with Russell Amby. Listeners, uh, we'll take a short break.